0: Well, good morning. It's good to see your faces. Y'all are extra holy for being here on July 4th. Um, I'm excited to be here this morning talking with you guys. I've been reading this letter for a couple of weeks in preparation, and it's just beautiful. So I'm, I'm excited to share with you guys. So like John said, I've been on staff about three years. Um, I'm halfway through a degree in biblical studies at seminary. Um, I'm a major... Bible nerd. John hired me out of college to do communications, and this job has evolved into so many things, and not the least of which is getting to teach occasionally. So I love this. Um, Over the past three years, working at this church, y'all have seen so much of my life happen. Um, Not exaggerating, about 20 people in this room told me to date Dave Reed. Sue Crumb back there is one of them. Um, And then a couple years later, all of you were witnesses at our wedding. Um, Cheryl Wood, who's watching online, was our doula. She counseled David and I through our pregnancy and the birth of our daughter Maggie. Um, If you guys were here at the 915 service like three or four weeks ago, you saw our sweet daughter be baptized, um, which was really fun. And then finally, Joe and Beverly Spence, they passed away about a year ago, but they're the people who I would rock babies with every week. And they told me to get off my tush and do seminary and start um, learning about the word more. So I just, I love this community. I'm passionate about it. And I love, just like, I have so much affection for you guys and your faces. Um, So thank y'all. So today we're going to continue our look at Philippians. We're going to be in chapter 2. We're going to read verses 1 through 4. This is on page 1672 of your pew Bibles. So y'all, open up your Bibles. Would you stand while I read this in reverence for God's word? All right. So this is Paul talking, and he says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, any comfort from his love, any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. All right, y'all can be seated. Well, this is a beautiful text. I love it. I have read it 5,000 times now. Um, I'm not tired of it yet. I see two points of instructions for believers that I want to go over today. And the first point is that the body of Christ is called to be a community with a unified pursuit of the way of Jesus. So we're gonna jump in with point one. Paul says, if you have encouragement from being United Christ, comfort, common sharing, tenderness, compassion, in other words, if your life has been affected by Jesus, if you're feeling the presence of God, if anything has been changed in your life because of Jesus, then make my joy complete. Take a step further by being like-minded having the same love, being one in spirit and one mind. So be in the body of Christ and be unified. Essentially, Paul is saying here, if God means something to you, if Jesus means something to you, then make my joy complete. So I want you all to think through your own story. Has Jesus changed your life? Do you feel different? Can you think through parts of your story where you just feel redemption or reconciliation or comfort? Jesus is in our lives, and because of that, there's a further invitation. The way of Jesus is incomplete until we engage in unified corporate living. So John Tyson is a pastor in New York City. He's an author as well. He's one of my favorites. And he points out the message of the gospel today has been morphed into a message for the individual. He writes, we speak of personal relationship with Christ as the fundamental goal of faith. And there's nothing wrong with personal faith. But the faith that Jesus talks about, that Paul's talking about here, is other oriented, and it's about community. It happens in community. It's lived out in community. So I'll say it again, the way of Jesus is incomplete until we engage in corporate living. Paul says, be like-minded, have the same love, be one in spirit and of one mind. So today, these verses make us a little squishy and uncomfy. We are used to Being on our own, we're in an individual society. We prefer, we tend to prefer loose networks, ones we can bow out of when it gets tough or if conflict arises. But Tyson says again that the problem with a loose network is that as soon as there's conflict, people withdraw, so you lose that community. And he goes on to say, and I love this quote, If there's no personal conflict in your life and no elements of your character that are being challenged um, and that you're being confronted about, then you are networking. You are not in close community. But in contrast, Jesus paints this picture of community that is covenant. It requires deep commitment from everyone involved. A covenant requires people to hold up their ends of the deal, no matter what the other person does. But there's this obvious question that comes from this instruction. How do we live this out, especially today? Because all of us experienced 2020, COVID was polarizing. The election was incredibly divisive, and we even saw cracks in the foundation of so many churches over this past year. So how do we become like-minded? How do we have the same love and be one in spirit? I can think of two practices for us to incorporate into our daily lives, just as practices to become people who are in a community with a unified pursuit of Jesus. So step one is to put roots down. We use this language um, at Cornerstone on purpose. We want to put our roots down like strong oaks so that we grow and are planted somewhere. Eugene Peterson, he's a pastor and author, and he would tell people, go and find the nearest, closest, smallest church, and commit to being there for six months. Uh, If it doesn't work, you can go somewhere else, but commit to six months. Don't look for programs, don't look for entertainment, don't look for great preaching. This is about community, and it's not supposed to be glorious and amazing, and impressive. It's community that looks like love and that's shaped like Jesus. And the second thing to practice is to reach out. So introverts in here are like, please don't tell me to reach out. The extroverts are like, thank goodness, let's do this. Um, so reach out. I can think of a time in the life of Jesus when Jesus um, asked a man named Zacchaeus to share a meal with him. Um, At the time of Jesus, sharing a meal meant we are friends. We are close friends. And Zacchaeus had a horrible reputation. So Jesus extends friendship to this man with a bad reputation. And by the end of the meal, Zacchaeus is ready to change his entire life. And I don't think it's because Jesus sat there with an impressive argument or some really entertaining presentation of his gospel message. I think Zacchaeus was changed by chance fellowship with a total stranger who decided to love him and be committed to him. We are changed by community. We are changed when people reach out to us. You can probably think of that. Think of your best friends now. You you weren't born with them. They reached out to you, you reached out to them, and it changes you. So let's do more of that. Reach out, share meals, and take the risk of investing in other believers and see what community with people who used to be strangers will do. If you've been at Cornerstone for even five minutes, you've probably heard somebody up here talk about the revival in the Hebrides. We have been talking about it for four years, and we're probably just gonna keep talking about it. Um, I love the story of the revival of the Hebrides. It's this historic revival that happened in Scotland, and it started with two women in their 80s, um, out in rural Scotland, who felt this burning desire to see God in their town. People were leaving the church left and right. The young people didn't even know God. And they said, okay, we're going to hold hands. We're going to link arms, and we're going to pray twice a week from 10 p.m. to 4 a.m. And they did that week after week after week. They just prayed, begging the Lord to come to their town, to awaken the hearts of the people. And slowly and steadily, people heard about these two women in their 80s praying And they started coming and joining and praying with them. And before they knew it, they had this group of believers who were totally inconsequential. They're in Scotland, they're out in the middle of the nowhere, and they're praying together night after night. And after months of quiet, committed, stubborn prayer, something amazing happened. It's like a light turned on in every home of everyone in that town. The people woke up and they started walking to the church. All of the young people were out in a dance hall partying, and they felt this burning need to be in the church. And so all of a the sudden, there are like 800 people in this teeny, church, like in a room like this. Imagine 800 people in here who haven't been to church in so long, and like hundreds of people were saved that night. So this revival is still known as one of the most famous revivals in history. And this happened because two people committed together in community and they had a unified pursuit of Jesus. Really cool things happen when we link arms and when we commit to Jesus. Okay, but how do we practice this at Cornerstone? How do we do this today in 2021 in Midtown Tulsa? So this brings me to point two that I see in the text, which is that the body of Christ is called to imitate Jesus through sacrificial love. So in verses three and four, Paul says again, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. So David and I had a baby this year, and I don't know if you all know, but bringing an infant into your life is challenging. So we have had to create a new network of protection for one another. And we have this theory that if I'm always looking out for David's best interests, if I'm looking for his interests and David is looking out for my best interests, then we are able to construct this implicit trust that we're going to be taken care of. I know that I'm going to be taken care of every day because David's the one in charge of that. And David knows that he's going to be taken care of every day because I'm the one in charge of that. So we're not fighting like this, trying to fight for our own desires, our own time. We're taking care of one another. And I really believe this is what Paul has in mind for the church. I believe it's what Jesus has in mind for the church. We look out for the needs of people that we do life with the people that we work with, the people that we drive by on the way to work. I think something incredible happens when we commit to valuing others above ourselves. It changes us. It marks us. There are people in the room, mostly on this row right here, who have sacrificed so much for me, and I am completely changed by that. I won't be the same, and it's because they chose to love me. And I know y'all have stories like that. And so we want to bring that practice into the church and into this community. So I have two steps again for a way to start modeling Jesus' sacrificial love. First is a really fun step. It's sacrifice your wants. It's exciting. So we're conditioned today to be really protective of our time and our desires and our resources. The world tells you, look out for yourself before you look out for anyone else. Take care of you. The only one who's going to take care of you is you. That's the message of the world. But the way of Jesus says, look out for others. And if you remember, that's going to create this implicit net of protection for all of us. So try being aware of what you want and then practice giving that up for the sake of of blessing somebody else. We don't just give up things just because to say like, check, I gave something up. It's for the sake of blessing somebody else. I try, emphasis on try to do this in my relationship with David. I have to pause often and think, what am I defending here? What am I wanting for myself? And a lot of the time I have to say, hold on, rewind. I was defending myself, what can I do for you? So we practice sacrificing our wants. And the key here is for the sake of blessing somebody else, for the sake of protecting somebody else, for the sake of causing renewal to happen in our spheres. When we sacrifice our wants, renewal tends to happen. And step two is sacrifice your resources. God knit generosity into the fabric of the people of Israel. In their laws, if you read Leviticus, which I know all y'all love to read, you're going to see so many beautiful, you're going to see some weird laws, but you're also going to see some beautiful laws where God knit generosity into the makeup of Israel and into the way that they functioned. And then Jesus continued that trend by telling his followers to give To the point of sacrifice so for the rich young ruler jesus said sell it all and follow me but to the poor woman in the temple he he praised her and he thanked her for giving just a couple of dollars so there's not a magic amount there's no checkbox again but it's asking yourself what is sacrifice like look at your resources and say what can i give that's going to be a sacrifice for me And again, it's for the sake of blessing, protecting, renewing. So I'm going to close this morning. There's this beautiful poem by author and father Brian Doyle. He passed away in 2017 from a horrible brain cancer that caused him to lose the ability to use his hands and his feet. But one of his legacies that he left was this collection of writings and reflections on life and on being a father. Um, And so this poem that I'm about to read to you, he wrote this about his son. So I'm going to read this poem, and then we'll close in prayer. But as I read, just pay attention to the words and the beauty and the simplicity. So this is Brian Doyle. A while ago, I got sick. It was a thorough and major sick lost use of the old hands and feet, which was, as you can imagine, weird. My kids called the sickness the thing. And the thing went on for months and months. And I could tell you lots of stories about the thing, but there's only one story that I want to tell you. Every morning, my son got up early to help me put my socks on. I would sit on the back stairs in the dark, and he would wrestle my socks on. And neither of us would say any words, and I still cannot think of anything cooler than that. I have racked my brains and considered all the possibilities of love, and I still return to that boy and those socks. No matter what happened to me, that happened to me. Let's pray. Well, Jesus, we love you. We are so grateful for the way that you have modeled sacrificial love. It's because of what you did on the cross. It's because of your dying and resurrection that we are taught to live in a totally unique, totally countercultural way. Lord, would you empower us to be people of sacrificial love? In a world where people are fighting tooth and nail to protect themselves... God, would you teach us to give ourselves up for the sake of love, for the sake of blessing? Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would encourage the people in this room. In places where community feels broken or scary, God, would you just protect us? Would you show us the joy of being committed to community, the joy of being with a body of believers? everything changes because of you, Jesus, and we are so grateful. We want to live our life as a direct result of what you've done on the cross, and the fact that you are raised from the dead, bringing renewal on earth right now. Lord, we love you, and we trust you, and we thank you. Amen.